0: their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for February 10th, 2019. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith.
1: Greetings from Atlanta.
0: And welcome Tim Shiflett.
1: Good evening, sir.
0: All right, good to have y'all both on. And just to kind of set it up at about 20 minutes into the program, we're going to have Eric Benson from Texas Monthly and his podcast, The Underdog. Um, He's one of the experts inside of Texas on the political going-ons in the Lone Star State. And so we'll discuss uh, a lot of different Texas things with Eric, including that pod series uh, that he did cover in the um, 2018 senatorial race. Um, He didn't cover just Beto O'Rourke. He did spend time with Ted Cruz and some other people. Um, important in Texas. Uh, But until then, we're going to discuss some other topics. And um, we discussed before the Super Bowl last week, uh, the state of Virginia politics. And we said, you know, maybe by this week, we would get more clarity. Um, I am here (laughs) to say, I don't think we got any more clarity. Did we, Catherine?
1: Uh, No, we did not. (laughs) More... uh... More accusations and more confusion.
0: Yeah, it, um, just so that those that may not know, for some reason, um, I guess in the past week, um, Governor Northrum says he didn't want to step down. He didn't want his legacy to be uh, racism. Um, another politician, Attorney General Mark Herring, has uh, admitted he wore blackface in college. In a different context, he was in some kind of, you know, lip sync contest and was trying to dress up like um, early 80s rapper Curtis Blow. You know, not a picture, uh, which, of course, Governor Northam says he wasn't in, of um, a Klansman and then a minstrel-looking blackface character um, as well. Uh, In the meantime, we had talked about Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. There's been a second allegation there of some type of um sexual assault and of he rape. is not stepping down at all. Um th- there may be more to it. Uh Catherine, what are you gonna add?
1: He was accused of rape and yeah. there's a lot of a lot of um people who knew about it at the time.
0: Yeah. So uh, I mean just uh, just a lot of accusations and, and one thing that's important to keep in mind is In uh, Virginia, there's only three constitutional offices, so it's not like you have a secretary of state and an agriculture commissioner and a labor commissioner and a um, state auditor of office. We don't have here in Georgia, but they do in other states where you'd have a longer line of succession of constitutional officers. Um, Of course, there's a Republican now that edited a yearbook that had more racist content than the – medical college that uh, Governor Northam went to in that yearbook. Now, that yearbook, I believe, was in the late 60s, um, for what that's worth. Um, Tim, give us some thoughts on this whole situation.
2: Well, you pretty well laid out about the whole thing. The the, the Republican is the majority leader in uh, the legislature uh, there, um, Thomas Norman. He apparently was the editor of this yearbook, uh, and it included several blackface photos along with some racial slurs. Uh, So it spread to both parties. Uh, uh, Norman, by the way, has refused to accept any responsibility. I believe his excuse was, hey, I wasn't the only editor of the yearbook for for what that's (laughs) worth. Uh, You know, a week ago, it appeared that Governor Northam was DOA, but I I would say now the focus has shifted strongly to the Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. He's been accused by two women of both assault and rape. And I'm sorry, but that far overshadows, you know, the Governor Northam and the Attorney General Mark uh, Herring's uh, wearing a face at parties or dance contests. That, that doesn't excuse it. It just, it just overshadows it badly. And, and we have uh, a Democratic state legislature by the name of Patrick Hope, I believe, who says that he will introduce articles of impeachment against Fairfax if he doesn't resign by tomorrow. So let's watch for that. Uh, and uh, before we went on the air today, there was a late-breaking story that the uh, lieutenant governor has asked the FBI to investigate this whole thing. So uh kind of looks bad for Democrats in Virginia. And, of course, our president is tweeting about it, about, you know, how the Democrats— Democratic party's imploding and and virginia's gonna be a red state in the next election so thats where we're at
0: yeah I, I don't know that though that, that any of this would make it a red state because the trend lines are there um in fact it may get even more um you know further to the left in the democratic party possibly and so i don't i don't know how that would make it a You know, a red state automatically—that's kind of a a jump in logic for me. Uh, A few more things: Uh, Ralph Northam was on Meet the Press. I'm sorry, he was on Face the Nation today, and apparently, when he was talking about Virginia's history, he called slaves indentured servants, um, which—I mean, maybe he doesn't know the historical difference there, which that's kind of simple of kind of thought. You know, maybe he doesn't seem like a the typical doctor possibly, and some of the you know missteps he's made. Um, I want to ask you all this. In watching him talk, because I, d- I just hadn't seen that much video of him until uh, the past few weeks, does he remind you kind of as the Democratic George W. Bush? Oh,
1: I haven't seen enough of him to be able to sit back
0: now and i don't mean that as a, a huge like insult to either one of them. he just his speech patterns he just kind of something about it he he reminds me of george w bush's um the way he kind of carries himself tim if you any? I,
2: I, he reminds me more of of a little bit of the even though he's far more liberal than they are of the old style uh democratic uh Politico down here in the South, the the back clapping, uh, back slapping, good old boy type. That's he he remind, puts me in mind a little bit of, of the way Herman Talmadge used to talk. Uh, oh, great. That, Well, I mean, he don't he don't think like Talmadge, but it, it's just the if I close my eyes and listen to both of them talk, it, it just sounds a lot alike. Uh, to me
0: Yeah I, I don't know um, And that's and, and I guess I hadn't, that's So kind of a little before My time so I don't remember a lot of video Of Herman Talmadge now I actually grew up in the county where Talmadge Farm is so um, One would think that that, that I would uh, Know that dialect well but I guess I just don't um, Put that part together One more thing that kind of complicates all this You know, Mark Herring's probably the most popular of the three with a lot of the more progressive constituencies. And Mark Herring, uh, you know, what he did is probably um, you know less egregious than the photo. We still don't know exactly what was in that photo that you know kind of started this whole thing. But Mark Herring actually came out and called for Ralph Northam to resign. Catherine, why in the world, if you knew you had done something similar, would you have been so quick to come out and call for somebody to resign?
1: Well, did he call for him to resign after he said it was him and he apologized and then – he said, "No, it wasn't him, but he had done this other thing." Or did was it? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, him. I know what
0: you're saying. If if he did, he call for the resignation on the Michael Jackson uh, contest with no photo, with the moonwalking, or did he call for him to resign with the first photo? Uh, I I see where there could be some shades of gray there, but still, I mean, you kind of think you would kind of uh, not hang a lantern on your problem, if you will. Um, well,
1: that's true. I mean, <laughs> but but if it it, it could have been. More about his um, waffling than it was about his the actual act. I don't know, but it is it is pretty stupid.
0: Yeah, I mean, because and I guess maybe that was the the thing to do for there for a while was you know call for resignations before that they knew the whole you know party structure was going to implode. Um, Tim, what your thoughts on Mark Herring being so quick to? Condemn um, Governor Northam?
2: Yes, he did come out in a hurry and, and and do it, and and it's very odd that then later on quietly he said, "Well, by the way, I wore blackface at a party too." Now he had to know that when he demanded the the governor resign, that he had done the same thing, except yeah. he didn't. Except he didn't have a bizarre press conference like the governor did, but otherwise he did the same thing. Uh, I, I I don't know why he did that, but you know of of the three, he's the one that people are saying the least about. That, that I don't know if it's because he's the third man down the totem pole or because he came out and admitted to it before somebody found out he did it, or or what it was, but uh, there's not anybody really hollering for him to resign. Uh, He's the brunt of some late-night comic jokes, but other than that, uh, I would say he's the most likely of the three to survive this now.
0: Yes, and then one final thing, there's been some polling on this thing, and a poll that came out either late last night or today found that African-American voters are more sympathetic to Governor Northam than um, white voters. Now, some of that could be politically motivated because it could be white voters that are Republicans that just want the seat. Um, But, Catherine, did you see that poll, and um, what do you make of that, that that African-American voters actually are – you know more understanding than white voters in that poll.
1: well, I didn't see that poll, but I did hear them talk about this on uh some show this week, and there was a little bit of discussion about how you know it was a long time ago, and we really just you know um, many in the black community really just want to get the work done and not focus on these things that happened a long time ago but I, I can't speak for the black community,
0: so. I know, and I, I was just uh, the poll part of it was the the, the hard numbers was what I was uh, alluding to. Uh, Tim, did you, are you aware of that poll?
2: Uh, no, I did not know about this poll either. Uh, but I, I, the, the, you know, black voters are just more democratic for one thing than than the average white Southern voter is. That that's one big thing. You'll find your your white Democrats in that state, all all uh, probably within a stone's throw of Washington D.C. And every other white voter in that state, uh, downstate, is is a Republican. And of course, they're gonna want the seat. Um, I still wonder uh, if if Governor Northam is gonna. Uh, survive only because of what, of the problems of the lieutenant governor. It seems to me that the focus of everything has shifted directly toward that because of the seriousness of the charges. So uh, it, it appears, at least for now, that all of them are going to try to ride this thing out, but I, uh, is this, this, Look, looks really bad, especially for the lieutenant governor. I, I just don't. Uh, I, I don't see how he, in particular, survives this.
0: Yep, and this will be another. I guess during the week, uh, more of this will have to play out. Um, let me kind of uh, touch on a related issue. So much has been talked about this past week with this situation in Virginia that affects you know one out of um, fifty of our states. And you know Donald Trump and, and new things that have come out uh, among uh, about him, including how he handled inaugural funds, have not gotten you know the proper scrutiny. Um, is this a good diversion for Donald Trump and his administration, Catherine?
1: Yeah, it is. Anything that takes the um, focus off him and gives him something to tweet and
0: you know, rant about is good for him. Yep. And then, uh, yep. Tim, your thoughts?
2: Uh, absolutely. It's good news for him. Uh, terrible news for the other side is good news for him. Nobody's talking about him for a few days unless the bozo allows a, are uh, forces another shutdown and he's going to find out that they're going to be talking about him again real quick because people you know say in nevada are going to care a lot more about a sh- another shutdown than they are uh the problems of the democratic party in a state all the way across the country uh this this is uh uh, a big story because of, of all the people involved in it, but let's face it, it really doesn't affect much of anyone outside of the state of Virginia. Right. Uh, Donald Donald Trump can pull some stunt, and, and the whole country will be uh, focusing right on him again. Uh, of course, he likes for everyone to focus on him, uh, good or bad. So. I think he figures even if it's bad news for him, if it's bad coverage, uh, at least they're talking about him, if that makes any sense. I, I think Trump thinks he's doing best when he is being talked about, whether it's good or bad.
0: Yes, definitely. wants to be self-important. Um, yep. Well, then let's get into one of those issues as much as we can. We may not have too much time to go too deep. And that is... These inaugural Um, funds—it was, uh, you know, raised this past week—that Donald Trump, for his one inauguration, raised more uh, twice as much as any other inauguration, more than President Obama's two inaugurations put together, more than George W. Bush's uh, inaugurations put together. We could probably keep going back, but then it's so far back, it's not really apples to uh, apples. Then. Catherine, uh, your thoughts on one the amount of money raised, and then now we went some of the money went to pay uh, Jared Kushner's legal bills. Are there anything else that you know of that we're going to find out about the um, inauguration funds?
1: Well, I think the big question is whether or not he accepted foreign money for those funds, because that's against the law, Um, and that seems to be the one of the key um, questions of the probe. Um, well, and the other thing is for spending all that money, you sure didn't get very many people and it wasn't a very interesting inauguration. So that just shows you that money doesn't, money doesn't buy pop doesn't always buy what everything you want it to. Yeah. And I'm not sure how that Go ahead. I think the um, foreign money thing is going to be a uh, kicker if it turns out that there was foreign money,
0: in particular Russia, uh, if it was Russian money,
1: and then um, and then the
0: part about the inauguration—that's the public part where um, you know the speech is given, the oath is taken, and it's in front of the um, Washington Mall. I- I'm not even sure that part. the the funds or even, you know, much of that money even has to be raised for that. Um, I'm not sure if part of the park service may take care of that, but then part of the baseline of funds raised may help with that. But once again, that's the baseline. Um, Everything else on top of that is probably where your money gets – the extra money gets spent. Um, Tim, your thoughts on, you know, this is a diversion and the funds themselves – well,
2: you know, um, I saw Chris Christie. He he he's making the rounds on all the talk shows because he's got a new book out, like these guys uh, tend to do. And he said that Trumps has a major, major problem here. See, the, the inaugural committee was headquartered in New York. Um, therefore the investigation is being done by the feds in the Southern district of New York. And, uh, these people are pretty tough. Uh, this is taking some serious turns and they are, uh, we, we could be talking about money laundering as well as the illegal contributions that Catherine, uh, mentioned, uh, uh, cash for access is another thing, um, and then there's the tax law violations that could have happened. Cause so they could hit them three or four different ways, and uh, then there's the question that you both also alluded to: well, where'd the money go? Unlike the narrower focus that someone like Mueller would have to be into. These people can operate on discovery, which means if they're investigating one crime and all of a sudden here comes another crime, well, they can go off and hit that, too. They can just keep popping this thing. Uh, Yeah, he's going to have a lot of trouble with this, and he can't stop, you know, these 150 or so investigators that's going to be hitting this. Uh, He could fire, you know, the... The federal attorney, but but the the investigation would continue regardless. So I, I this, this one's out of Trump's hands, and and may spiral out of control for him.
0: Oh yes, um, well you know we'll kind of see how this whole thing unfolds as well. Uh, real quickly, I, I don't know that we'll touch on the actual uh, State of the Union address. They finally got it. Um, you know, they since the government reopened They put it on the calendar, he gave the speech It was quite a long speech uh, The poor little fellow from Delaware He invited with the same last name Fell asleep uh, It went on so long um, But probably more interest to us was uh, Stacey Abrams gave the um, Response, the Democratic Response from the IBEW Building in um, Atlanta uh, And actually had An audience It, it went pretty well. Um, Matthew Dowd actually um, said, you know, it's a tough speech to give, and he felt she um, really did a good job with it, and that was like, – I saw that right after because I was watching ABC's version of it. Uh, Catherine, your thoughts?
1: Oh, I thought it was excellent. It was an excellent counterpoint to his speech. It was very um, upbeat and um, optimistic and very unifying. I thought it was an excellent speech and one of the comments i heard was i guess after she was done on uh cnn uh anderson cooper just looked at the camera and said something like i liked that one much better <laughs> so i think all around she did a great job and it certainly elevated her um her you know personality and her Uh, And and I guess she's going to be on Seth Meyers this week. And she was the guest on uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on NPR yesterday. I haven't listened to it yet. So uh, she's really making her own. Good for her. Good for Georgia.
0: Yes. Tim, your thoughts on her speech?
1: Well,
2: I thought it was very well delivered, very well done. It was quick to the point. She uh, hit a couple of good issues hard. Uh, she she was very upbeat, positive. Um, I really liked it. It what was it, four or five minutes, something like mm-hmm. that. But I I I, I I I I thought she did very well. It's it, it, she certainly didn't have any Marco Rubio or Bobby Jindal moments or anything like that. She she uh, she she did very well with that. Nothing but positive reviews. Uh, the only negatives that I'm getting is Republicans are saying, ha, 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 look at who the Democrat spokesman is, somebody that lost their race. That one really isn't flying too well, and that's about the worst thing they can find to say about yeah. her right now. So, uh, yeah, I was uh, very, very, very happy. Can I throw one more thing at y'all about the last topic I just sure. saw this. Let me let me throw this at you real quick. The inaugural committee paid the Trump International Hotel for event space right on at the inauguration. They were charging the inaugural committee one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a day for event space at their hotel. That went right in Trump Nim's pocket. Nice,
0: huh? Yeah, he's using those hotels um, to his advantage in some, some places, although I heard the one in New York has uh, had a lot of empty um, space to rent. So Yeah, but um, the,
2: they actually got money from the inaugural committee and made a profit off of it off their own businesses.
0: The yeah, and he's been, making money off, he's been making money off the RNC as well you know they they've rented office space in Trump Towers. so he's a, you know he's on the take um yeah, with those office well, buildings you no don't
2: find out that the southern district of new york is, is, uh, is not impressed by this just wait
0: yeah oh definitely but of course they will pull those base oh i'm a businessman i've got to make money they're trying not to let me make money you know and there's um <laughs> So, Off of his it, own
2: inaugural committee, oh yeah well that will be
0: his you know that'll be his um his reasoning is uh yeah, although everyone will see the tax returns to see how wealthy he really is um that that's yeah. you know part of the fascination there, well, um, let's go ahead and move on to something else right now, and that would be we've had more presidential candidates enter the race. we talked about Howard Schultz last week. Um, that's kind of died down. Um, The newness was worn off of that. Um, So there were some other candidates that got in the race that we really Uh, didn't get. Go ahead, Catherine.
1: Can I just say something about Howard Schultz from this week? Did you hear that he he had a discussion with, I guess it was on TV, where he doesn't want to be called a billionaire anymore, that it's uh, negative? And I was like, (coughs) okay, you're talking about running for president. And the thing that you're talking about is that you don't want to be called a billionaire. Really? <laughs> that's the most important thing you can come up with to talk about.
2: <laughs> yeah. And he is a billionaire. That's bad. That's that's bad.
1: Anyway, I just thought that was funny, like of all the things that he could talk about that would make him a more uh likable candidate, that is not one of them. Anyway, go ahead. I'm ready for our buy yeah. hold. Yeah, well, let's, let's so. go ahead
0: and um, talk about a, a, a pretty big name candidate. Somebody that it, what has been expected to enter the race, um, New Jersey Senator Cory Booker, former mayor of Newark, New Jersey. Newark, New Jersey. Um, he entered the race, uh, I guess, over a week ago. Now We just didn't have time to uh, get into the um, actual campaign, but. Um, He's jumped in. He's he's pretty well known name. Um, makes a lot of rounds, you know, media wise. Um, he is a bachelor, which that's been brought up as as one thing that's been discussed uh, about his candidacy. Um, Catherine, uh, on Cory Booker, what are your? I guess you can give us your whole thoughts, and then if you want to throw your buy sell hold in there, do that.
1: I am. Uh... Not particularly impressed with Cory Booker. I think he has some problems that will come up. I think some of the um, money that he's received from Big Pharma and um, some of his... I don't know. I'm just not... I, I mean, I think he's a good senator. I just am not sure he's really ready to be president. But I do think he brings... Uh, some excitement and some um, enthusiasm. So, for that reason, I'm giving him a hold.
0: Okay, uh, Tim, your thoughts on C- Cory Booker?
1: Yeah, I saw a, a
2: article written about about his entry into the race, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, there there was some mention made that a lot of uh, liberals, especially, are not real happy with his. Uh, votes to protect Wall Street. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the idea here is that he's he's going to have to walk a tightrope and he's going to have to uh, let liberal voters know how bad Wall Street is without making Wall Street mad at him. So good <laughs> luck. Good luck with that, Senator. I, I personally like him pretty well, though. I think he's a top ten candidate but it remains to be seen whether he's a top five uh type. Uh he does, by the way, have, have suddenly have turned up with a girlfriend. Now, I'm I'm not judging anything, but I'm just saying all of a sudden he's got a girlfriend as soon as he gets in the race. But it maybe he really does. I don't know. But I'm gonna do a hold on him too, David. What are you gonna do?
0: Well, and I definitely think he's a top-ten candidate. I think he's a pretty dynamic guy. Um, and the, the thing about the um, Wall Street money, this is what's kind of tricky, is if there are 15, 18 candidates, then actually maybe there's going to be more room to the right of the you know party spectrum than the left, possibly. So, so that may not hurt him as badly as it would – in some years, um, may actually help him with, you know, uh, fundraising and financing as well, too. Um, be interesting to see, you know, kind of what is his base? Cause obviously, um, the New York and New Jersey, that area doesn't really come up very soon. Um, how is somebody that lived out in California and Stanford and then now lives pretty much in Metro New York city, how can they relate to Iowans? um, you know that's that's going to be tricky for him, but I do think he is somebody that would be able to get crowds when he goes to speak. He'll probably do a fundraise. He'll get attention. I mean, he he you know very good on the stump. And so I'm going to give I'm going to go ahead and give him a buy um, because I think there's going to be enough candidates that you know get a buy. We can't just give a buy guess, to one or two people. So I'm going to go ahead and say buy on Cory Booker because I do think he is uh, more interesting. Um, let's just talk about you you tim you mentioned he got a girlfriend um if he just ran as a bachelor candidate and and, you know said look there will be no first lady it'll just be me um that role um you know my sister my cousin whoever will fill that role um would that be a big inhibitor for him you think tim
2: yes uh and I'm speaking historically here that the nation's only elected one bachelor president, and that was um, Buchanan. <laughs>
0: well, that's so, not a good that, name to be put together that, with, that, Buchanan. No, I
2: mean, we got to go back to the 15th president who, who, it was rumored, used to hide from his advisors so he wouldn't have to... Uh, make decisions. Uh, He he famously, by the way, told Abraham Lincoln uh, when he met him, he said, sir, if you're as happy to be entering this office as I am to be leaving it, then you're the happiest man on the earth. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, no, Buchanan is not a good guy to be compared to. But I'm just saying, historically, it seems like Americans prefer their presidents to uh, come with the cookie cutter family: the spouse, the the two nice looking kids, and the dogs, and whatever else Theodore Roosevelt brought with him. I, they didn't even sneak a horse upstairs at the White House one day. His kids, <laughs> yeah, I think brother. he had some exotic pets. But but I think I think the the American people like like to see their presidents married. That's why I think. Yes, fair or not, this would be a major issue and an impediment for him.
0: Yeah. Well, Catherine, let's not mince words. His paper doll book will really suck because it'll only have one character. Um, you know, that <laughs> gift, gift store item. But what do you think about him? Seriously, how will this affect his electoral chances?
1: Well, unfortunately, I agree with Tim. I think it's a um, it's a barrier. Um, I think it's pathetic that that's the case because i mean we've had we've had first ladies who um do almost nothing like our current one no no criticism i mean, she's and then we've had you know very active ones and uh i just i think that there's a lot of um, single people in the world, more than there have been in the past. And I think we need to get over this idea that we need, you know, this cookie cutter family to be, um, you know, sitting in the white house. Um, so I, I think it's, unfortunately, I do think it's a barrier. I think we have, there's a lot of people in the country who will, wonder about him if he's not married and also be suspicious um for a variety of reasons about a single man being in the white house
2: you know david it's not just in presidential races you 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 said this to me yourself you might recall a few years ago saying you know if harold ford had been married he would have won that Senate race. And you know what? At the time, because of the way he was attacked as being a playboy and this and that and the other, I agreed with you. I believed if Harold Ford had been married, he absolutely would have beaten Bob Corker and won that Senate race. And I really do think that this is going to hurt Cory Booker, don't you?
1: Yeah, it, it,
0: I think your spouse can be an asset. I mean, Michelle Obama was an asset for Barack Obama, no doubt. Yeah, um, but
2: having it, no spouse is never, a, 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 it just can't be an asset.
0: Yeah. I mean, unless your spouse, you know, brings so much baggage in, in that I guess it's a net negative. Um, yeah, but that you know, don't
2: happen because you vote for. The person on the ballot, and you don't vote for their spouse, but people right. will vote if they don't have a spouse. I, that's that's why I think Cory Booker's an odd man out here, and it's why I'm only giving him a hold instead of a buy.
0: If Cory Booker was smart, instead of you know announcing for president, he should have gotten that with ABC Television, become the next Bachelor, and he would have had hours and hours of FaceTime with the. Um a lot of women and some men too uh, Watching The Bachelor every week and, and he might have been the most popular politician By the end of the whole thing If he could have played it right yeah, um, really? That, that could have been a, He could add an angle there And then he could have run for president after that With all that name ID and all that You know, Q rating um, Well, uh, the next candidate We're going to talk about uh, I won't accuse him of having too much Q rating uh, South Bend uh, Indiana Mayor Pete Buttigieg, and I must just totally mispronounce that name because I've never no, heard it pronounced. No, I
1: think you did a good job on that. I
0: think you did a good yeah, job I, on that game, David. Yeah, I did my best with uh, Mayor Buttigieg, Mayor Pete. Um, I, I've never been to uh, South Bend, uh, Indiana. I've only been through the state and then turned west towards Chicago, never been east to turn back the other way. Kim, I know you've been there. So, right. um, and Catherine, you may have too, but Tim, since you've been to the um, uh, Notre Dame's uh, host city there, South Bend, what's your thoughts on the mayor?
2: Well, is she typical, and, and Catherine would back me up on this because she's from that part of the country, is she, is she typical of uh, mid-sized northern industrial city? That's what South Bend, Indiana is. It's a city, I think, of like 100,000 people and it, it, it's, most, it's mostly known, uh, it's about 60 miles from Chicago, and it's mostly known for, for being the home of Notre Dame. Now, the mayor is only 37 years old. Uh, he's never served in a higher office than mayor of a city uh, of 100,000. That ain't the problem. Here's the reason I'm doing a hard sell on this candidate. No mayor has ever won the White House, and until one does, I'm gonna say one won't. I'd be yeah, more can't... I'd be more likely to say a reality TV star is gonna be president. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> but unfortunately, no mayor has ever
2: been elected president. It's a long jump from that office to the White House.
0: Yeah, and. Um... Obviously, Eric Garcetti and Mitch Landrieu, the mayor of L.A. and New Orleans, respectively, uh, both passed on this race. And those cities are probably have a little um, more complex problems than South Bend. Uh, Catherine, your thoughts?
1: I agree. I, it's, I mean, I like the guy. Um, I remember when he ran for DNC chair, he had a really good uh, – I, I thought he was um, – really measured and um, deliberate and interested in unity and bringing the Bernie and the Hillary people together. And, um, but yeah, he's a mayor. Um, I mean, obviously you don't have to be elected to anything to run for president and to be the president as we've witnessed from our current resident of the White House. But, I think, if anything, um, we've learned that it is important to have um, more experience. I think that's what we learned from this presidency. And while, you know, granted, he was he's a veteran and he has been a successful mayor, I just think that we're yearning for something more than that, um, you know, some legislative experience or some – Executive experience at a higher level, or you know some additional something beyond being uh the mayor of a mid sized college town, so yeah, I'm gonna do a sell,
0: yeah, um I, yeah, I kind of was like you know a bit of mayor who um Pete who um but it's just there's and this is such a year with so many candidates, i mean. Even if he would have run last time when there's only like three other candidates, uh, he might could have broken through the filter a little more than this time. Um, I have to wonder, Indiana, you know, it's a state where we could use some more Democrats, and and Democrats can win statewide there. I mean, you had um, Evan Bayh, the mayor and governor of Indiana – I'm sorry, the mayor, the uh, senator and governor of Indiana uh, fairly recently – um, you know, won Indiana statewide. President Obama won Indiana in 2008. Um, why does he not choose to run for something in the Hoosier state? Uh, Tim, any ideas?
2: Well, I don't know. He's he's got he's got the bio. He's a Rhodes Scholar. He's been a mayor since he was in his twenties. Uh, he's cutting his teeth just right. Seems like the next natural step would be Congress or the U.S. Senate. Um, something like that. I mean, even, it's just, it, I just go back to the thing that a mayor, the, the American people, for some reason, have never wanted to elect a mayor or president. Even a mayor of, of like, New York City. Which we, would we be harder to, than hype the, to govern than hype to to govern than the states in the
1: country <laughs> yeah. no
2: mayor of New York City has ever gotten close to the white House Rudy Giuliani found that out the hard way when he was trying to run uh i it, it i am with you he he should jump next uh toward a a federal office like uh Congress or, or 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 the Senate, that's I, I where that's I where I'd go if I see them.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure when the Senate seats are up and and which ones are in Indiana. I'm trying to see who's up and when it is because to me that seems like the next step. And and you know in um, 2020 that that could still have a Democratic shift. Uh, Todd Young's up in 2022. Mike Braun's in 2024. Neither one of those are major heavyweights, and then I guess the governor's race. Um, It's up in 2020. Uh, You know, I forgot Joe Donnelly, uh, you know, Democratic senator, lost this past time, but interesting to think about. Um, I want to go ahead and shift gears and welcome on our guest um, from the Texas Monthly. Welcome, Eric Benson. Is this Eric Benson? Eric, you yep. there with us? Is yep. it Eric? Eric Benson. Hello. Yes, this is Eric. Hey Eric, you're on with the Kudzu Vine. How are you? Hey, uh g- good to get you on. Um, sorry about the mix up with the time. I was looking back through my emails and that's probably on me. Um, not clarifying as much. Um, but we wanted to talk to you about several things. I guess first thing, uh tell us about your political background, particularly your work, uh covering you know texas politics
2: so uh, i've worked at texas monthly for a couple years now
1: and one thing i've noticed is that you have a small cock
0: okay i don't think we have eric on there i was kind of getting worried but um uh i guess somebody actually i I don't know i I don't want anybody want to even worry about doing that on our podcast um But hopefully we can figure out what's going on with the real Eric Benson because I've heard him on the podcast and he he was a little more articulate than that fella um, and probably has a much better vocabulary as well. Um, Let's kind of get back to what we're doing. And um, we have time now, it looks like, to talk about our final candidate uh, that's entered the race in the past few weeks. She entered today, uh, got the worst weather I think I've ever seen for a presidential announcement, but when you announce from Minnesota, um I, I guess you you get what you expect. Um Amy Klobuchar Senator from Minnesota. Um Catherine, I don't know if you even saw pieces of the, the announcement or and this one came on pretty quick as well. What is your thoughts on her candidacy?
1: You know, I really like her. Um but I I'm uh I like her in the Senate. Um I guess I'm I I haven't I didn't see any of the announcements so I don't know what she was saying. So but I like her and I think she's likable. I think she's um you know, she's friendly and approachable. So I'm gonna do a hold on her. Um but I might revise that if I when I have a chance to review what she's been saying and um see the um her statement about why she's running Sorry, I she's running for you her. catherine
0: she's running for the butchers the bakers the candlestick makers uh, she just named a lot of jobs and she's running for you and it was kind of it was fine it was just uh, it was upbeat um she was happy about being in that snow i'll say that uh, yeah I really would have been miserable
2: <laughs> tim uh, did you see
0: the announcement
2: Yes, I did. The crowd, you know, a lot of them were wearing hoodies, caps, this, that, and the other, and everything was white. You know, they they, had, they all had dust and snow on them, snow coming down in the background. I think it, she was in a park that was close to where that interstate bridge. You remember that interstate bridge that collapsed up there yes. uh, a few years ago? I think she was close to that. And uh, she's, what, the fifth senator now? To get in the race,
1: yeah,
2: Uh, I believe she's the eleventh candidate. um, But she always saying, "I'm the practical Midwesterner in this thing. I'm I'm a problem solver, focused on results, and not ideology and this and that and the other. I'm gonna do a hold owner and and not a real strong one." Although she's, I believe she's the first female senator from Minnesota, and she's been easily, you know, elected. Um, we'll we, we'll just see. But I, I'll I, I'm, I'm with Catherine, and I like her, but I really like her in the Senate. I really wish yeah. she would stay there. Um, we we're getting a very crowded field of senators and. Uh, uh, but but it's nice to see such diversity, so I, I'll, I'll give her a hold.
0: Yeah, I'm going to actually buy it, I, I, and I'll tell you why. One, uh, Minnesota borders Iowa, so um, sometimes those candidates can come down and do pretty well. Um, you all remember a few years ago, Michelle Bachman uh, was leading the Iowa caucuses at one point, and she was probably not nearly as strong a candidate as Amy Klobuchar will be in the end. Um, so I think that will help Amy Klobuchar being from the Midwest in that Iowa caucus. Cause this, I, I, I get the sense that this might be a little more national than the past, but there's still that, you know, all eyes on one state, all eyes on the next state, all eyes on, you know, the third state nature of this thing. And so you have to have a plan sequentially. Second, I think that um, – you know. remember I sold pretty quickly on Christian Gillibrand, and then Elizabeth Warren's really um, having some connection issues, and we'll talk more about that possibly in a minute since we may have some extra time. But if those two senators don't do well, Amy Klobuchar could pick up a decent number of people that might be um, supporting them or apt to support them. Because I think that's going to be really important is maybe in the the first poll or two, you may only get seven nine percent because there's so many candidates. but how many of the other folks people like you and can you pick up their folks and right. I think Amy Klobuchar may be ready to do some of that Tim uh,
2: you know here here's the thing we got eleven people in this race yet, and outside of maybe. Harris, the real, real heavyweights haven't weighed in yet. Uh, there is this is going to be a crowded field. How, how does someone like Klobuchar find a niche in all of this? How does she break ten percent in all of this? How do any of them break ten percent? in All this we haven't had. We haven't we haven't had Sanders yet. We haven't had O'Rourke yet. We haven't had Biden yet. And believe me, those people are going to weigh in at some point. One or two of them is going to get in this race. Uh, we may have an excess of twenty. Uh, yeah. How do they? How do they break out of the pack when there's someone like Amy Klobuchar? And I'm I'm not judging her in any way. I, I'm just asking a straightforward question: How would someone like her break out of the pack?
0: I, I think you're going to have to really figure out who's connecting in Iowa. Iowa's going to be really, really big, I think. Um, it's going to winnow out five candidates right off the bat. I think that you know, at least five will be gone even before they get into New Hampshire if they do very poorly. If you don't even connect, you may drop out even before the Iowa caucuses. And so she may have a better chance to connect than a Christian Gillibrand. That's going to hurt her. Uh, Maybe a better chance to connect than some other folks. In a a
2: normal year, I'd say you're, you're right. But 2020 is not going to be a normal year because Democratic voters are going to have blood in their eyes, and they're going to be thinking one thing. Who can beat Donald Trump? And that might overshadow anything that any of the candidates actually say.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. If, like, that public policy poll that we saw came out, seven, ten candidates may show that they can beat Donald Trump. So then it begins, okay, we can't just elect anybody, but we can elect a lot of different people. And so that's going to then be a basket full of choices, and I think Amy Klobuchar would be in that range of folks that are electable. Um, I, I would gather in a poll because I don't think she was, is going to be as controversial as some other folks. Um, let's kind of segue on to another thing that we probably didn't prep before but we heard about, and that was um, Elizabeth Warren this week. It's more has come out that she actually wrote on um, a state bar form about uh, her Native American heritage, and, and she kind of claimed that that was, I guess, her primary race or ethnicity um, so it's come back up. Uh, Catherine, I don't think that's going to be, in fact, kind of a big disqualifier. But the fact that this just keeps coming back and keeps coming back up and she can't shake it. And it, and it got compared to, you know, Ralph Northam this week with his, um, you know, racial insensitivity, I guess we could call it. Um, is this going to be a continuing problem for Elizabeth Warren?
1: Um. It seems to be uh, you know keep like you said, it keeps coming up, and um it it has the potential to distract people from what she's you know the reasons that she's running and the um, issues that are important to her be um a barrier. I think she's going to have to be um, have to be able to sort of ignore it without being rude. Yes. Which is
0: hard. Uh, Tim, your thoughts on um, Elizabeth Warren's, uh, you know, being continually dogged by the same issue?
2: Well, uh, she cannot shake this thing. It just keeps coming up and keeps coming up, and it overshadows everything she's doing, and it's also beginning to give people the impression that she cannot handle tough problems yeah Uh, so well and if she can't handle this what else can she not handle when a a national emergency for instance should come up uh does she have the right temperament to uh to even be president if she can't deal with something like this i mean it's very obvious that 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 she used the Native American thing uh, because she had heard about it, you know, from her family members all her life without actually going out and checking it out thoroughly herself. Um, And and that's understandable. But the way that she has responded to this um, has uh, brought up a lot of questions. And and I really think she's kind of dropped out of the top five in, in 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 my book. And 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 so I'm not really sure where she's gonna go with this. She may be an early big casualty of this race. You were talking about Iowa winnowing people out. Uh she may be one of those and it happens sometimes, it's actually wintered out before any voting ever starts. Uh, yeah. I What's would say the- that she's a good yeah. person.
0: Yeah, and very knowledgeable on a lot of issues, and I will say this. Now, she did go to Iowa to campaign, and she got a really big crowd uh, uh-huh. when she went out to speak, so she can draw a crowd. Now, that may be just because they're starved for you know, Democratic voices. It would be interesting to see when more of these candidates go out there, uh, the reception they'll see as well. Um One final thing to talk about with this race, because, you know, Tim, you kind of mentioned the three Bs. I know you mentioned Biden and Bernie. You didn't mention Beto, but um, let's talk about Bernie. This past week, uh, he wanted to do his own response to the State of the Union. I think the networks, um, they showed Stacey Abrams' response, not Bernie Sanders. Um, But what was the deal, you think, with that, um, you know, him – Having his own uh, response to the State of the Union.
2: Well, the only thing I can come up with is he's going to run again. He he kept his um, he kept everything in place from his run before. His structure, his organization is all still there. Uh, no doubt, money ain't going to be a problem at all for him. And so I think he's going to run again. What is Bernie? Seventy-seven years old. Or older And uh, if he is going to run He's got to run now So I I, I think every bit of that was about He wants to get on TV Because he's going to run again
0: Yeah, Catherine, how do you think That was received um, by folks That maybe are pretty in the know And understand how the process works And this was a chance to elevate Stacey Abrams If she wants to run for a particular Senate Oh, I think it was I don't
1: think it While I think it did seem like an insult to Stacey Abrams, I don't think that was Bernie's point. I think his point was, I think Tim's absolutely right. This was his, you know, chance to give his first stump speech for 2020. Um, I just wish he would not run. I just, I'm really uh, disappointed in him. Uh, if, if, If he does, jump into the race i'll be very disappointed in him i think his time as as a candidate for president has passed i think he should select one of these um great younger people that are running and help them uh leverage his um supporters to to support one of the candidates or just to support the democratic ticket um i'm just i'll be very disappointed him if he runs and i will also be disappointed in joe biden if he jumps in the race
0: yeah um i'm just kind of over bernie sanders so um
1: go ahead i said to someone yesterday i liked it when i voted for obama because he was younger than me i want to vote for someone who's younger than me not older than me
0: yeah well i'll say this i think it can be Anybody that's qualified, um, it's just a, a lot of the more exciting names yeah, um, are, are, are a little younger than Bernie Sanders. Um, well, that's been the Cudsey tonight for tonight. Um, I guess next week we already have our guests lined up, Bill Snyder, who if you watched uh, politic, uh, Inside Politics like Tim and I did back in the day, he's got a brand-new book. We're going to talk to him about it next week on the show. Good night, guys. Good night, y'all. Good night, everybody.
1: We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a
0: strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world?